One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Where is this world going? We talk quite a bit on this show about the advances in technology, increases in surveillance, uh, UFO disclosure and the impact all these things have on society. But where are we really going? I've got a ton of current events and I'm going to try to get through all of them this evening. Just kind of give an update on things. I think we need a bit of a reality check. I don't think maybe we don't need a reality check, but we got to look at some of this stuff and uh, hopefully find the benefit of these changes that are coming down. Because again, they can be quite scary and quite concerning how do we how do we survive those changes how do we thrive during those changes i often wonder if during the industrial revolution where most people were caught blindsided by all of these changes it just just showed up because they didn't have things like the internet to watch things unfold one day it just happened and the change started we're well within these changes that are happening right now is it good for society? Is it bad for society? How? What impact does this have on our own humanity? Things I want to explore, uh, as always, as I go through some of these news stories. Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II, my apologies, I missed you last week. It's busy, it's the holiday season. Lots of things going on, good things behind the scenes. Uh, whew, where to begin? I've been talking a lot about uh, remote viewing and my training that I've been going through, and I'm going to continue to give updates on that. I, I hope that, um, you know, you find it valuable. Uh, I'm a rookie, but it's been uh, a really cool journey. I did a couple targets last week, and I was just, I felt way off. I mean, I looked at the data, and I had some elements of it, but I had a ton of other elements where it was my imagination, and I was really frustrated about that. I was like, because before that, I was, you know, I was, I was really on target and really hitting stuff. I'm like, man, I got this. I can do this. Uh, I have this skill set, and then I got, I got knocked down and I got humbled. But I thought about it, and those failures were were excellent. I was, a, I was uh, looking at a target, 
and I'm getting this, you know, right at the, right off the beginning. I, you know, I tried to before I start it. You know, I, I watch uh, one of the things Dick does before he goes into his session. He does what's called a cool down, and he gets all these sketches, and it's usually somewhat, it's usually really connected to the target, and that's before he even starts. So I was like, well, I'm gonna do that, and I've gotten lucky a couple of times doing that, and I tried it again, and I got this scene, uh, like this desert scene with a wall and. So right there, that just infected my uh, my conscious mind and my imagination. And uh, as I'm going through this target, I just kept coming back to scenes like that for some reason. Um, turns out it was completely unrelated to the target. And I realized I'm constantly looking for that complex situation. And the target ended up being something very simple. It was a piece of fruit. It was a unique piece of fruit. It had spikes all over it. I forget what the fruit was called. Um... But I was getting all this excess data, which maybe I can make an argument and say, oh, yeah, this is connected. But ultimately, I think that what it taught me was that make sure you just report the data. Not everything you get through intuitive processes and, and psychic readings uh, is going to be this complicated or complex scene, especially in, in training. But in real life, too, if you, if you keep yourself grounded that way. And just set the objective that I may be given a calibration target and being tasked to view a piece of fruit, or I could be asked to view a lost civilization on Mars. Either way, I just need to report the data that I'm getting and drop my expectation of this being some crazy, fantastic target. Um, so that, I kept that in mind uh, with the last target that I did. And uh, wow, it made... A world of difference. Now, again, I'm only on stage two, cheating, jumping to stage three because I'm drawing some sketches and stuff. Um, but I was tasked to draw this building, and I was drawing just angular shapes, and it was a really architecturally unique building. And I'm drawing these different shapes and describing the colors and the, and the sounds and, and things. Um, and, and I drew some trees and stuff, which as I was able to look at my sketches, I was able to look at different angles of the building and match up the different angles that I had drawn and stuff. So I had really good target contact with that because I brought myself back to that, just the basics, just report the data. Um, and, and it was a really neat experience. And I have to say, um, I felt like I was really in deep to this target, meaning when I came out of the session, uh, I felt a little wonky. I, not that anything crazy, but I definitely felt uh, somewhat still connected to the target for the next half hour, 40 minutes. It was uh, not a bad feeling. It was a, It's a cool feeling, but I definitely still felt... Uh, it's weird. Yeah, my brain just felt a little fuzzy back in in reality, you know. And I think, and I hear it from viewers all the time that you know, the deeper you go, the more uh, bilocated you become, which is a pretty neat thing. So that's my remote viewing update, uh, which I which I thought was pretty cool. And I wanted to share with with all of you out there. So uh, if you're trying remote viewing, if you're if you're practicing, and again, I'm just a rookie at it, but keep going. And in your failures, in your, it's not a failure. It's a lesson. I learned a valuable lesson uh, in, in missing the target on those two sessions. So keep going, keep trying, and evaluate what can I do different? What can I, what are, or what's changed? And uh, I think you're going to find your way. I, I think that I'm finding my way, and it, it's been very exciting. So I'll right, we'll cover some news stories. You know, I, I had a thought, and I forget what 
the subject was that I was thinking about, but I was thinking about guns and gun control and all that, all that fun stuff. And I think that, I think my thought was along the lines of, I think one of the reasons the United States has not seen a foreign power even attempt to take the country over is because of that Second Amendment right to bear arms. Americans, we, we love our guns. And I'm thinking about the Iraq War, the second one, how President Bush at the time came out and he says, victory, we won. And then the real battle started and our, our soldiers were getting slaughtered as they were going into uh, various cities in Iraq and the Mujahideen and, and the fighters over there, uh, the insurgents were hiding in houses and just, just creating ambushes and just wreaking havoc on Americans, American soldiers as they were there. And the reality is, if a foreign power ever came into this country, we have so many Americans that would be dug in like ticks and doing these surprise ambush tactics. Even people who are not battlefield seasoned, battlefield tested soldiers, they'd become that real quick. And I think that's a major threat, this uh, Wild West mindset that a lot of Americans have. But I think that also keeps us pretty safe, even from a government, uh, you know, crossing that line. And I wanted to share that. And after having that thought, I just came across an article from uh, Summit News. It's titled, New ATF Study, 423 Million Guns in Hands of Americans. It says, violent crime rate has decreased by 48.6% in tandem with ownership rise. Now, I don't know where that statistic came from. Uh, oh, here it is. Newly released figures from the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives shows that there are now a whopping 422.9 million guns in the hands of Americans. The number equates to 1.2 guns for every person in the country. The figures also show that in 2018, 8.1 billion rounds of ammunition were produced by the gun industry. The figures also reveal that the most popular firearm in the country is the much maligned uh maligned sporting rifle often misidentified as an assault rifle the ar-15 being one of the more popular models the findings highlight that there are now 17.7 million of them in private hands a record high and more than half 54 percent of all rifles produced in 2017 were modern sporting rifles i'm looking at this and this is again this is valuable intel very valuable intel if a foreign power is thinking hey we want to invade the United States or a UFO entity that reads English. Who knows? And um, this lets us, this gives them a, a very good idea of what they're dealing with. Um, so I don't know how crazy I'm about to put that information out there. But let's go on. The ATF figures also reveal that firearms ammunition manufacturing accounted for nearly 12,000 jobs in the U.S., creating over $4.1 in goods shipped in 2017. So the article goes on, and I'll have that in the show notes, but uh, just something interesting to think about. I, I really do think that uh, an armed citizenry is a an excellent deterrent, uh, and I don't want to get into gun debates here, but I do think it's an excellent deterrent here for, for responsibly armed citizens from either a hostile government takeover or a foreign power invading the country. 
All right, I want to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency real quick. If you haven't done so already, check out cryptoviewing.com or patreon.com slash cryptoviewing. Uh, the work we're doing there is amazing. We just did our world event again. Wow, I can't believe it. For December uh, 2019, the predictions, what I can say is according to all three viewers, December looks to be bringing us some significant challenges. Now, again, it's remote viewing data, but take that for what it's worth. Be prepared. I highly encourage you to check out what they're doing each month, what our team is putting out. It's uh, it's incredible stuff. And we're looking at this uh, rollout of cryptocurrencies. We're seeing it more and more in some major ways. And I have a couple stories here that I, the crypto team sent out to, to me and, and the rest of us that I want to cover with you just to... to kind of lay it out there that the world financial system is absolutely changing not in 30 years right now it's changing right now uh, and, and i highly encourage you to start doing your homework as soon as you can and make a decision is this something you want to get involved in uh, because i think that with that knowledge you can be prepared for it so this one British Virgin Islands, home to crypto expats, to issue its own coin. The, this is from uh, Bloomberg.com. The cryptocurrency is to be pegged one-to-one -to, -one to U.S. dollar. Territory has become a haven with crypto-favorable laws. British Virgin Islands, home to cryptocurrency companies, such, excuse me, such as Tether and Bitfinex, is planning to release its own national cryptocurrency. The British Overseas Territory, which consists of more than 50 Caribbean islands, has relied on the U.S. dollar since 1959, but it's planning to create a token pegged one-to-one -to, -one to the greenback for use within its territory. In creating its own coin, it's following countries such as the Marshall Islands. Tether, the world's most used such stablecoin, pegged to fiat currencies like the dollar and the Bitfinex exchange are based in the British Virgin Islands, which along with nations as Malta has crypto-friendly regulations. BVI is one of the world's largest cryptocurrency markets by dollar volume, according to CoinShares. So more on that article you can check out in the show notes at uh, sixcentsmedia.net. But now we have uh, this location, the British Virgin Islands coming out with their own cryptocurrency. So what's going to happen? People are going to vacation there. They're going to say, oh, let me get my crypto wallet because here's what they're using now as their major form of currency. You're now understanding cryptos and you're now getting integrated with it when you go on vacation that way. I'm telling you, the rollout is coming. You don't believe me? This comes to us from Coindesk. Georgia governor appoints backed CEO Loeffler as new U.S. senator. Very interesting. Georgia governor... Brian Kemp officially appointed back CEO Kelly Loeffler to the U.S. Senate on Wednesday, where she will fill current Senator Johnny Isaacson's seat. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution first reported that Kemp was considering Loeffler on Friday with the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Associated Press, and other outlets, confirming its reporting earlier this week. She will take office in January 1st, 2020, though Isaacson's terms Isaacson's term ends in January 2023. Loeffler will have to run for election next year if she intends to serve past 2021. So, again, we have somebody who is a major player in cryptocurrency now being appointed as a U.S. senator. 
If you don't think it's going in that direction, my friends, it is. And here is another piece of evidence supporting that fact. You think she's not going to be making crypto-friendly policy as we move into this new era? You better believe it. All right, here we go. Let's move into Big Brother, who is watching us. U.S. Homeland Security proposes face scans for U.S. citizens. Big Brother wants more of your data here. The plan has already drawn opposition from some privacy advocates. Good for them. The Trump administration intends to propose a regulation next year that will require all travelers, including U.S. citizens, to be photographed when entering or leaving the United States, according to the administration's regulatory agenda. The proposed regulation, slated to be issued in July by the Homeland Security Department, will be part of a broader system to track travelers as they enter and exit the United States. Look, here's what's happening here. They are gathering information about travel habits. Algorithms are being set into place to determine who travels regularly, what is their reason for traveling, and they can better track our movements so they can identify changes to those movements. In addition, we may see some changes to borders that are coming online as well. And if you deviate from that algorithm, it's going to be a problem. They're also going to be able to determine who's traveling for what purpose. I mean, the amount of data that's being gathered, even if you're not doing something illegal, your movements are being tracked. And what's going to happen if all of a sudden borders change and you are assigned to reside in zone one and you're not authorized to travel to zone two? Well, that's going to get very difficult very soon. So this, uh, I don't see a benefit to us at all. What, is it keep us safer from terrorism? Look, I'm not willing to give up any more of my freedom in the name of protecting us from terrorism. I don't, I don't want the government tracking my movements and tracking the movements of other people I'm associated with and drawing their own analytical conclusions. I do not see any good coming from something like this, and I believe that it's a violation of, of our privacy. All right. Another one here. This comes from MilitaryTimes.com. Now listen to this. New blood test could help identify troops and veterans with PTSD. Oh, that sounds great, doesn't it? Physicians could potentially one day identify veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder through quick blood tests instead of complex psychological tests. Thanks to new research from the Army and outside biometrics experts published for the first time Monday. The study, which appeared in the journal Molecular Psychiatry, found a set of 27 blood markers which helped identify patients suffering from PTSD. Researchers said the findings support past hypotheses that the disorder affects not just the brain, but the entire body. In a statement, Army Medical Research Systems Bio Biology Chief Scientist Marty Jett said those markers will continue to be refined and adapted for commercialization in coming years. Researchers are hopeful blood tests can lead not only to more accurate diagnosis, but also earlier ones perhaps indicating signs of problems even before PTSD has fully manifested. Now, I'm going to stop here. Again, they want to take a simple blood test. In the military, they're constantly taking your blood, so they're going to be constantly evaluating you. But when you get out, think about all the times that we have to get blood when you're going for medical procedures and stuff. What if you do have PTSD? Now, mental health in this country, in this world, it sucks. It's absolutely terrible. What are they also going to be able to use this for oh here's your blood test if you want to purchase a firearm 
here's your blood test, you have PTSD, you are now on a watch list because you happen to be a gun owner, or you're not able to purchase a gun because you have PTSD. There's so many implications on this. So another way to quickly identify somebody that may have PTSD. Just because you have PTSD doesn't mean you're broken. There's a lot of people that function and survive and thrive with PTSD, myself included. I, I deal with a lot of stuff, but I, uh, I have no intentions. I never have a, a, a feeling of hurting myself or hurting somebody else. Uh, so, but this this worries me that this is going to be used for negative reasons. Imagine you have that blood test; it's on file now. Uh, your face is already on file, and you go to travel. And now you're going to be flagged. This person has PTSD. Let's keep a close eye on them. You're going to get stopped for more searches. Who knows? But again, I think these are things that can be built against us to uh, really just kind of limit freedom, limit movement, and uh, and and stigmatize us. Speaking of scary stuff, now the FBI is warning about your smart TV from TechCrunch.com. If you just bought a smart TV on Black Friday or plan to buy one on Cyber Monday, the FBI wants you to know a few things. Smart TVs are like regular television sets, but with an internet connection. With the advent and growth of Netflix, Hulu, and other streaming services, most saw internet-connected televisions as a cord-cutter's dream. But like anything that connects to the internet, it opens up smart TVs to security vulnerabilities and hackers. Not only that, many smart TVs come with a camera and a microphone. But as is the case with most other internet-connected devices, manufacturers often don't put security as a priority. That's the key takeaway from the FBI's Portland field office, which just ahead of some of the biggest shopping days of the year, posted a warning on its website about the risks the smart TVs pose. Beyond the risk that your TV manufacturer and app developers may be listening and watching you, television can also be a gateway for hackers to come into your home. A bad cyber actor may not be able to access your lockdown computer directly, but it's possible that your unsecured TV can give him or her an easy way in the back door through your router, wrote the FBI. All right, so that's scary. Uh, our lives now are connected digitally. If they're getting the back door through your TV, then into your router, and then into all of your data. If you have a microphone, if you have a camera, they could be listening to your private conversations. They can be looking at you through that camera. That's the world we live in. We have this technology because it's convenient and it's fun, but we need to be mindful of the risks. Again, what's the balance? Do you want to be scared and shut everything down and unplug? I don't think that's practical right now. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so much of our lives are integrated into this stuff, but I think we need to be responsible with that. Responsible with that technology in our house, with, with what you're saying and doing in the presence of that technology. We can still have it. We can still have fun with it. But have that in mind and proceed with caution. All right. Speaking of creepy stuff, Massachusetts State Police tested out Boston Dynamics Spot the Robot Dog. Civil Liberties advocates want to know more. This is back in November I got this article, but I, I wanted to share it. Cops have long had dogs and robots to help them do their jobs, and now they have a robot dog. Massachusetts State Police is the first law enforcement agency in the country to use Boston Dynamics' dog-like robot called Spot. While the use of robotic technology is not new for state police, the temporary acquisition of Spot, a customizable robot some have called terrifying, is raising questions from civil rights advocates about how much oversight there should be over police robotics programs. 
The state's bomb squad had spot on loan from the Waltham-based Boston Dynamics for three months, starting in August until November, according to records obtained by the American Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts and reviewed by WBUR. Documents do not reveal a lot of details on the robot dog's exact use, but a state police uh, spokesman said Spot, like the department's other robots, was used as mobile remote observation device to provide troopers with images of suspicious devices or potentially hazardous locations like where an armed sus- suspect might be hiding. Robot technology is a valuable tool for law enforcement because of its availability to provide situational awareness of potentially dangerous environments. State police spokesman David uh, Procopio wrote... All right, so uh, it says, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Right now, our primary interest is sending the robot into situations where you want to collect information in an environment where it's too dangerous to send a person, but not actually physically interacting with that space. Spot is a general purpose robot with an open API. That means customers, whether a police department or warehouse operator, can customize Spot with its own software. State police said they didn't use this feature. It has a 360-degree low-light camera and an arm. All right, so basically... You can take this robot dog and customize it with software and applications that will allow it to do anything you can program it to do. So you can weaponize this robot dog. And maybe law enforcement right now is not weaponizing these things. Maybe they never will. I suspect that that eventually is coming. But what is stopping someone rogue in their garage from creating uh, a few robot dogs and running out, you know, we see terrorism all the time. Somebody out with a knife, somebody out with a gun. What happens if we get somebody more sophisticated that sends out their robot dog to go start attacking people or their aerial drones? Again, I hate to be scary, doom and gloom, but this is our future. We're going to see this at some point in, I'd say, the next 10 to, 10 to 20 years. We're going to see something bad with this stuff. Does that mean we should not move forward with this technology? Again, I think we're beyond that. I think this technology is here, and it's here to stay. What do you do about it? Well, if you're a prepper, uh, if you think about the worst, you need to be thinking about countermeasures if something like that were to happen. Uh, I think that's something that needs to be in your mental role-playing, not to the point of paranoia, but something you need to be mindful of, that these are the things that are available to not just the good guys, but also the bad guys. question is, what happens if you and your beliefs and values makes you the bad guy? All right, let's talk about deep fakes for a minute. There's a uh, new deep fake video out there. It's uh, watch a deep faked Trump say Epstein didn't kill himself. I think we all are aware of that. You know, it's funny. I, I, I always laugh at those memes because you get so sucked into these memes. Some of them are like these beautiful memes about love and, and, and marriage and uh, or, or just the sweetest things. It has nothing to do with Epstein at the end. It says, and, and by the way, Epstein didn't kill himself. Well, this, I'm going to play the audio for you uh, and you can watch the video. It, it, I mean, yeah, I think a, a trained eye could tell this isn't real, but at the same time, you put this out to the masses and you can't. I'm, I'm telling you, the... Uh, our, our news is compromised. We cannot trust anything, even if we see the video. Here, here's what I have right here. Let's listen to this. My fellow Americans, many of you will have been following the impeachment proceedings brought against me by the Democrats. This political witch hunt is tearing our country apart. 
and not in a good way. While I truly believe that I'm completely innocent of all charges, I have nonetheless decided to make the following announcement. Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Okay, so when you hear that, I, I'm listening to it through headphones now. When I listen to it just on my on my phone, um, you know, without the headphones, it sounded a lot more believable and convincing. But you can hear it. It sounds as if they typed it into like an, uh, an AI software and using Trump's voice and it was reading it and pausing and, and the audio wasn't consistent. But the, the technology is getting better. And this, I think, is good enough to fool a bunch of the people who kind of just read the headlines or click or react right away. Um, be careful with the next election. I'm, I keep I keep saying it. We need to be mindful of that. That's why I'm sharing this, because you really, we really can't trust anything. Pay attention to your intuition. That's what I, I don't know what else to say about that. All right. I have some UFO stuff. Let me check here. I have, I have like three dozen windows open um before i get to that uh this is interesting from the sun world's first ever pig monkey hybrids have been created by chinese scientists the world's first monkey pig hybrids have been born which could pave the way for human organs grown by animals a groundbreaking experiment produced creatures with hearts liver spleens lungs and skin which contained pig and primate cells Stem cells from macacube uh, monkeys were grown in a lab and then injected into pig embryos five days after fertilization. Of more than 4,000 implanted in sows, 10 piglets were born, but only two were chimeras and both died in a week. However, the Chinese scientists reckon that may be due to IVF procedure. So, uh, listen, there's more on this. I want you to read it, but they're, they're creating these hybrids to ultimately grow human organs. Now, we are seeing a drastic change to humanity. And this, this research, I suspect, is a piece of that. We're looking at alterations to our consciousness through the use of uh, AI and technology and the fact that, you know, according to Elon Musk, and I agree with him, we're all cyborgs already because we use our cell phone. It's just not physically connected to us yet, but I have a story that's going to change that in a minute. But we, humanity is changing and being changed. Into what and for what purpose is the question we need to ask ourselves. And is this a beneficial step, step in our evolutionary process? Or are we going to lose something here? Are we looking at the creation of a matrix-type scenario? Are we looking at verification that... We are, in fact, living on some kind of farm. You know, every morning uh, when I'm driving to work, I pass the pig trucks. They stink really bad. It's these big metal trucks, open great metal trucks. And it's like 20, 30 degrees. And you've got the pigs crammed in there uh, and just huddled together. And they're cold and they're uncomfortable. And they're being transported to then be slaughtered. There's, I think, millions or even billions of them that are slaughtered every year in the United States. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. We, we, so many people that I speak to, and I'm, I'm not a vegan. So many people who I speak to who obviously aren't vegan, they devalue it. Uh, and, and maybe that's because when facing the reality of 
the suffering that we contribute to as humans, whether we're at the slaughterhouse or purchasing bacon at the grocery store, it's atrocious. So the value of their lives are devalued in the minds of many people. You know, hey, these pigs are suffering, and then the joke is, but bacon tastes so good. We're creating living beings for the purpose of harvesting their organs. I can't stress enough when we start to realize where our place might be in this, in this universe, or at least in this world, in this reality, and we realize that we may be the lab rats it changes. Something changes. At least for me, it did. How I look at things. Because there's a good chance that we are being experimented on in ways that, if we had full awareness of it, would traumatize us to have that knowledge. And we're creating hybrids of pigs and monkeys so we can harvest their organs. What life are they having? What life are we having? With that thought in mind, my apologies. I, I got to share something grim because this, this really, it got to me. And I said, don't click it, don't read it, don't read it. And, you know, I read it. Um, this is from Daily Mail. Here's the heading. Thousands of buffalo lie dead as the world's biggest animal sacrifice begins. 200 sword-wielding butchers carry out slaughter in Nepal Despite outcry over festival bloodshed, graphic content, Godhimai, God I don't know if I'm saying it right, Godhimai festival began in Nepal on Tuesday morning with some 3,500 buffalo killed. Sacrificial ceremony held every five years kicked off with slaughter of a goat, rat, chicken, pig, and pigeon. Around 200,000 animals were sacrificed in 2014, a reduction from the 500,000 killed in the 2009 festival. In 2015, it was reported that temple authorities had agreed to cancel all future animal sacrifice at the event. Godhamai Temple's uh, then-chairman Ram Chandra Shah, however, claimed at the time this was not the case. I'll have the link shared. If you look at the pictures here. It's sad. You just see pictures. It's like a, a football stadium sized location. And there's just hundreds of animals just lying dead. And you see, I haven't seen any pictures of the actual slaughters. I see like action shots of the, the shaman with the big knife over his head. Preparing to swing it down. Now what's really messed up about this like here's one picture I'm looking at and it's it's I see one two three men with knives one man has a goat and he's got a rope pulled tight around its neck and he's pulling the goat like pulling the goat and the goat is surrounded by a sea of probably 500 men they're all staring at it and the one man has this sword up and he's getting ready to come down on its neck I know this is gruesome. And I think about that goat. And I think about... What if the goat broke free from that rope? Where the hell would it go? 
into that sea of 500,000, I'm sorry, that sea of uh, like 500 men, most of whom have sticks and knives on them. On top of that, around this goat, the goats are, and the, I'm sorry, the goats and the, the cows are standing there watching the other cows be slaughtered. They And there's chopped off heads laying all over the ground. So they know what's happening. They see it. This is why cattle are slaughtered in the United States, at least in the slaughterhouses, in the ways in which they are, because it's supposed to be more peaceful because they don't see the other cows being killed. Well, this is an all-day event where these cows are all crammed into these places and they're watching everything else be killed in the gruesome, to cutting its heads off. That's a gruesome way. And they're just standing there. And looking at them, I can see every bone on, on these animals, meaning they're not eating well. They're completely emaciated. What kind of life is that? And we as humans are contributing to that. And if you think of as above, so below. We know there's human ritualistic sacrifices that go on that are terrifying. What are we doing? What are we doing? So it makes me sad. It, it, it makes me very sad to, uh, to know that this goes on. And, and this is, and I'm bringing it back to my book, food for the archons but this is kind of what sparked the initial part of my research is when you're looking at this when you're trying to understand our reality a lot of us were brought up under religious contexts and it was well this is god's will and we, we never looked at the world through that lens like bad things happen but oh that's a part of god's plan and you know we're special as humans we you know we're treated, God loves us better than he loves the animals, you know, is what, what I used to be told as a kid. And, and uh, everything has its place. And that's the food chain. That's the cycle of life. And uh, the lion may be the king of the jungle, but we're smarter than the lion. And when we're, we rule this planet. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. And we need to be mindful of that. So this is very sad to me. This looks like it's an ancient custom. Why? What? what is being put out and if you look at in my book and you study the transference of energy you may begin to understand why these things happen i don't think that these men that are cutting off the heads of cows understand what they're contributing but i highly suspect that there's an energetic transference going on here that these beings just beyond our perception are consuming and here we go humans are a part of it as well Okay, I want to end uh, our topic that we've just been covering here, our, our last uh, subtopic here, talking about some UFO stuff. This is from unknowncountry.com here. Unidentified slow-moving blob triggers White House lockdown. This is on November 27, 2019. The White House was put under lockdown on November 26th after radar operators at the Capitol Police Command Center spotted a mysterious slow-moving blob on their scopes just south of the National Mall. The radar return prompted the U.S. Capitol to be placed on restrictive access and military aircraft were scrambled in response with authorities fearing that the unknown interloper was an unidentified craft or possibly a drone that presented a security threat. According to the Federal Aviation Administration, the airspace around Washington, D.C. has the highest level of restricted access in the United States due to 
rules put in place after 9-11 attacks that established national defense airspace over the area that and limits uh, aircraft operations to those with an FAA and Transportation Security Administration authorization. Senior officials across the interagency are monitoring the situation on a national event conference call. Pentagon spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Chris Mitchell said during the early stages of the incident, NORAD aircraft are on site and responding. Plane is not considered hostile at this time. However, U.S. Coast Guard helicopters sent to investigate the skies over the Capitol encountered no errant aircraft, and a ground search failed to find any evidence of a grounded drone. Even after the all-clear was given, authorities were still unsure as to what caused the mysterious radar returns. However, the prevailing theory, according to Capitol Police, is that it was caused by a flock of birds, a fairly common source of false returns on radar scopes. This notion is backed by air traffic control recordings obtained by CNN that revealed that one of the aircraft belonged to the Coast Guard's Blackjack Squadron reported encountering a flock of birds during their sortie over D.C. Pilot stated, and we uh, almost hit a flock of birds here, about 1,300. Control, Blackjack, you see the direction they're going? Pilot, yeah, they're going north, northwest. Quote, a trained radar operator should be able to differentiate between a flock of birds and an aircraft, but this mistake is actually a fairly common one, according to the retired Air Force Colonel Sidrick Layton. How the flock of birds appears on a radar screen can be very similar to the radar look of a small aircraft. This happens sometimes with older radar systems. So, it's an interesting article they scrambled, and that technically it was a UFO, according to radar. They don't know what it was. Was it a flock of birds? Was it a drone? Was it something otherworldly? We do know there was an incident of UFOs uh, flying over the White House, I want to say back in the 50s when that happened, late 40s, 50s, I think it was. Uh, that's an interesting story. We'll explore that another time. But what was it? We don't know. We know that UFOs are now acknowledged. Here's another article from 7news.com.au. U.S. Navy veterans say they were told to turn over 2004 UFO encounter data to, quote, unknown officers who arrived via helicopter. U.S. Navy veterans involved uh, in the Nimitz UFO sightings have told a U.S. website unknown individuals turned up after the event and made them turn over all recordings and data. The encounter has since been confirmed by the U.S. Defense Department. In 2017, it released footage from a Navy F-18 Super Hornet showing a mysterious flying object during the 2004 event. However, it is understood much more footage and data remains classified, uh, its location unknown. The incident occurred in November of 2004, about 160 kilometers off California coast, which we've covered here on the show plenty of times. Let's get what happened uh, after that stuff was recorded. Uh, the article continues here. Sometime after all this data was recorded, Voorhees claims two people arrived on the ship via helicopter. They were never identified. Uh, and barely 20 minutes after that, Voorhees' senior officers told him to turn over all the recordings and delete any that remained on the ship. They even told me to erase everything that's in the shop, even the blank tapes, he told Popular Mechanics. Meanwhile, aviation officer Patrick Hughes was on the nearby USS Nimitz. It was his job to secure hard drive data recorders from the airborne uh, early warning aircraft, recorders that had stored data about the encounter. He too was visited by his commander, accompanied by two unknown individuals, and told to turn over the hard drives. They were not on the ship earlier, and I didn't see them come on. I'm not sure how they got there, Hughes said. We put them in the bags, he took them, 
Then he had two anonymous officers left, Hughes said. And also on the USS Princeton, Ryan Wiglet, a helicopter power plant specialist, told the site that two men had arrived on his ship, flown off, and returned with a bunch of bags. He told Popular Mechanics the pair repair, uh, repaired to the Admiral's quarters and a guard was stationed outside the door. Another witness, who did not wish to be named, told a similar story to another site or to the site. What really made this incident alarming was when a Black Hawk helicopter landed on our ship and took all our information from the top secret rooms, the witness said. We were all pretty shocked, and it was an unspoken rule not to talk about it because we had secret clearances and didn't want to jeopardize our careers, and that's how they get you. Now, who were these individuals that took the took it? I don't know. I know that uh, having worked in counterintelligence, uh, there were times we'd be authorized in uniform to take rank and name uh, and all identifying information off of our uniforms or even authorized to be out of uniform uh, if we needed to be. So uh, I know that the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, does have operatives within itself that do act in that capacity to go collect, gather intelligence, gather information, and not be identified for a whole variety of security reasons. So what can we learn from that? Well, my question as I'm looking at this is going, well, this was 20 minutes after the incident happened. So how did they get word? A, did somebody that was a part of that make a call and say, hey, we have a sighting of this UFO. If that happened, was that person somehow in the know of some kind of secret program and understood the protocol? B, was this information being monitored by this other branch or organization or secret government? Uh, was the activity being monitored, which would be also an interesting caveat to explore, and then they decided we need to respond to this right away. C, were the pilots of the UFO reporting back that they encountered these air, uh, these American aircraft and then uh, caused these people to head out and collect this information? Again, we don't know, but some interesting possibilities there that could shed some information onto uh, what's going on. At least let's let's know there's an organization that's either monitoring UFO activity through communications of military personnel, or they're being notified of UFO activity through communications of UFO act, uh, of U.S. military personnel, or they are communicating to people that have access to Black Hawk helicopters to come collect this information. I think that's valuable information to have and to keep in mind. Who are they for sure? We don't know at this point, but that little bit of information I think is highly valuable in trying to identify who, uh, who the players are, what's going on here. All right, friends. I think that's it for now. I've covered uh, a lot of stories here. Uh, I, I was off last week. Uh, again, holidays, things are busy. So I, I wanted to just do an update on current events. More to come, obviously, as we're uh, as we're moving forward here. But the world is, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, the world is changing. It can be scary, but I think the more informed we are, the more aware we are of the deceptions and the dangers out there, the better prepared we are to chart a course forward and thrive instead of just survive. I'm going to give a commercial here. 
I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connection, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com. The link's at sixcentmedia.net. You can find it wherever books are sold as well. Please, it's a great read, and it's uh, great for the truth seeker in your life. I think this book explains a lot of the scary stuff. A lot of the things I talk about, I did get some feedback from somebody saying, hey man, there's a lot of surprises in this book. Intentionally, I, I held back a lot on the show because really I think the best way to present a lot of this information is in the book. There's a lot that I can't get into on the show that I get into in the book. I think it will give you, as you listen to my show, as you listen to the news stories, it's going to give you a different perspective and understanding of, wow, that's how things are operating. That's why these things are being done. And I think it gives you a stronger decision space to navigate as we're moving forward. If you're to combine the show and the book and other stuff that I reference out to you to go look at, I really think it sets you up in a good spot. So uh, it, get it for yourself for Christmas or get it for the truth seeker in your life. And I'm, I'm giving that plug because your purchase really helps keep this operation alive. It goes to supporting the show and what I'm doing here with uh, with the Seeker podcast and with SixthSenseMedia.net with Ray Davis and I with what we have going on. Speaking of Ray Davis, Ray, I got to get you back on the show. I know we've both been busy with our own things, um, but we need to get you back on here. Ray, the author of Anunnaki Awakening, he's got an excellent book. Check that out on Amazon. Links are at SixthSenseMedia.net as well. And some positive stuff. Ray is still going strong. The Affirmation Spot. Check out his content. He's got great content up there. Uplifting, empowering content in the face of the scary stuff. That's an excellent tool to have in your toolkit. Ray Davis, The Affirmation Spot. Links at SixCentsMedia.net. That's all the time I have right now, Truth Seekers. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.